Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Welcome to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot, presented by the Kentucky HBPA. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome in the inaugural edition of the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. I am Louis Rabot here at the studios of ESPN Louisville. Thanks so much for making us part of your horse racing weekend on a Super Bowl weekend. We will get into a bunch of different things. We will interview the Hall of Famer, Dan Issel, in the second segment of this show. We will have on Caitlin Free as part of our coverage of races within the Commonwealth. She's up there at Turfway Park on the track feed there, so we will get her thoughts on some stakes action at Turfway Park tomorrow ahead of, uh, look, uh, some significant preps that are coming up at Turfway for the Kentucky Derby. Want to remind you, as always, our show is presented by the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.org. A ton of good stuff going on over there. Make sure you check out the website and uh, check out their membership options, all the advocacy they do uh, for horse people around the state and, around, the, frankly, around the country uh, with the HBPA and the National HBPA uh, as well. As I said, I'm Louis Rabot. If you don't hang out with me, I'm on 10 to noon here at ESPN 680-1057 every Monday through Friday. Do a horse racing segment also presented by our friends at the HBPA during the 11 o'clock hour every Friday. Try to keep you up to date on races around the country. Was able to talk with my friend John Lindo from Thoroughbred LA today about the uh, stakes races at Santa Anita uh, on Saturday, uh, the San Marcos, and of course the Oaks prep uh, in the fifth race there, the Las Virginis. Uh, it's a great three as well, going a mile in the dirt for the uh, three-year-old fillies out there and uh, seeing if we can't get a Mandela <laughs> winner of that race so we at least get some Oaks points given out to the winner of a race there in Santa Anita. But we did have four derby preps last year, and I wanted to – or last year, goodness. Last weekend, I wanted to start there. Uh, between the Southwest at Oakland, the Holy Bowl at Gulfstream, of course the Withers on Long Island there at Aqueduct, and the Robert B. Lewis in Santa Anita. We'll get into that one last Obviously, Niso is just an absolute monster going two turns for the first time. Looked as good as a horse is going to look stretching out. But let's start with Mystic Danny. Wins the Southwest at Oaklawn. And this is a reminder for all of us who start to think about, you know, who's going to be in that starting gate on the first Saturday of May. Who are those horses going to be that make up our 18, 19, 20 horse field, whatever it might be for Derby 150 this year. And Mystic Dan's an interesting one, not because I think he's uber-talented or whatever, but it's a little difficult with Kenny McPeak trainees to know exactly what you're getting. Now, Kenny, I love because if he's got a horse and he thinks something of them, he's going to run them. And that's a terrific thing for those of us who watch the sport. Trainer that actually runs his horses. <laughs> what, what a novel concept. And I'm really, really grateful that Kenny McPeak does that. But he's got a little touch of Doug O'Neill east of the Mississippi, does he not? Why not us? 
What's the surface? I don't care. What's the distance? I don't care. Let's figure it out. Let's try our horses out in these spots. So he's great for the sport that way. It's filling the um, filling the entry gates, but man, for us betters, it is really, really hard to know when those McPeak horses are going to fire or not uh, from time to time. And Mystic Dan is one of those. Now, the interesting thing for all of us to remember, of course, is that as part of handicapping for the Kentucky Derby, we have to think about weather. We have to think about horses being in form. We have to think about trainers that have done it at the highest level on the graded stakes stage. We have to think about all those things. And of course, you get a rich strike and it blows up everything you've ever thought about the race. But seriously, a horse like Mystic Dan is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. The first one has got a bunch of dirt kicked in his face and it didn't affect him. Now, Brian Hernandez Jr. set him up for what ended up being a perfect trip along the rail there at Oakland Park. But that's not Brian Hernandez Jr.'s fault. <laughs> it's probably the ride of the weekend, frankly. Sneaking up the rail there, having a horse that he knew could handle some some spray back, some, you know, some dirt in the face as he was rounding the final turn there at Oakland Park. Gets that inside and then just absolutely takes off to the point that it caught track announcer Matt Dinnerman off off guard. He was not ready for that kind of quality move from a horse like Mystic Dan. But we got that from him. Now, if we get a wet day for Kentucky Derby Day for that first Saturday of May, is a horse like Mystic Dan more interesting? To me, he is. To me, he is. The Arkansas route to the Derby, not, not a, a fantastic predictor of great success in the Derby. We have obviously had great horses come out of that Arkansas route to the Kentucky Derby. But in this case, with Mystic Dan, I, I'm not sure that who he was up against and that kind of thing was, was a world-beating performance. But again, Brian Hernandez Jr. gets all the credit in the world for, for sneaking up the rail there. And the horse gets the credit for getting a bunch of dirt kicked in his face and then going up the rail anyway. It wasn't like it was a two-horse path or anything. He had one he had one path and he made it. Got through, made the move. Mystic Dan makes my list of horses that are interesting the first Saturday in May if they get there. Hades wins the Holy Bowl at Gulfstream, and this was about as slow a setup as you're going to see. And I think a lot of people who watch horse racing get pretty negative when they see slower splits. And I understand that. I think that's a reasonable take for people to have. Oh, that was a slow race. Oh, that, you know, the setup was perfect for him. Blah, blah, blah. Hades rocked him to sleep. Well, he did. And that is a credit to Paco Lopez. Paco Lopez, of course, has a mount in the Sam F. Davis this weekend, a derby prep at Tampa Bay Downs. I will say this about the ride on Paco Lopez. It's not his fault that he lulled everybody to sleep. That's what a good jockey does. Gets a lead, but he sets it up in a way that is most advantageous for his horse. And that's exactly what he did with the one-horse Hades in the Holy Bowl last week. I interviewed Brian Nadeau last week ahead of the Holy Bowl uh, on our podcast, The Horse Racing Happy Hour. If you haven't checked us out, check us out over there at Horse Happy Hour on Twitter as well. This show every week, by the way, will be broadcast and, and then podcasted onto both the ESPN Louisville platforms and on the Horse Racing Happy Hour platform as well. So uh, kind of a one-stop shop over there for all of my on-air horse racing stuff if you wanted to go check that out. But I thought Hades' late quick kick was was legitimate. And the real question is, can he be a half second faster per quarter mile? And in my mind, the answer to that is yes. The answer to that is yes, because we're not even close to him hitting his peak of what he's going to develop into as a three-year-old. And I think a, a jockey like Paco Lopez is an interesting one for him. I think that he rides in enough places where you don't see him all the time, a Monmouth, you know, some of the Pennsylvania tracks, etc., that all of a sudden he pops back up in a championship meet at Gulfstream and you go, oh, right, Paco Lopez. Like I said, I think he's, he's going to be a problem in the same F. Davis tomorrow. 
But Hades does win that bolt, that holy bolt. It will be interesting to see if he runs in the Fountain of Youth next, or if they skip straight to the Florida Derby. Twenty points is nice, but my sense is if you can go and get a top two finish in the Fountain of Youth, you're probably good for the Derby, and then you could just go straight train train up to the Kentucky Derby. Now, I don't want that. <laughs> I want Hades to run as often as we could possibly get him to run as a horse player. But I also have to be realistic about how often trainers are really going to run these horses. And in the case of Hades, it may not be in their best interest to run him right back right away. But it'll be interesting to watch his tra- uh, his path uh, to the Kentucky Derby uh, should they decide to stay on it uh, as well. Uncle Heavy does win the Withers. Boy, that track at Aqueduct. Man, those tracks on Long Island, that deep, sandy dirt that they have up there. Watching the splits, trying to figure out how you actually feel about those races is a hell of an exercise. <laughs> I won't lie to you. Just absolutely a hell of an exercise. Now, the Withers itself, and it needs to be said, as far as we talk, you know, trying to predict who's going to be in the starting gate on Kentucky Derby Day, and then when we get to the point where we try to pick out who's going to win on Kentucky Derby Day, those are obviously two different questions, right? Who's going to qualify, who's going to win are different questions. And the Wood Memorial winner has been a very good predictor of who will not win the Kentucky Derby. We haven't had that since 2000 with Fusaichi Pegasus, but the Withers, interestingly, has put out some fine horses the last couple of years. Pitt Show won last year. Didn't go on to do much else, but he won last year. Early voting, obviously, runs, and then uh, turns around and gives Chad Brown a win in the Preakness Stakes. Runs fourth in the Jim Dandy before running up the track in the Travers. Risk-taking was on before that. He was, trust me, I was there in 2021. He was absolute buzz horse at the Preakness. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he ran eighth in the Preakness, was was up the track. Never won again. Very interesting. But before that, Max Player for Linda Rice. Dylan Davis, of course, was aboard in 2020. That was a weird year, right? Uh, in 2020, obviously, we had our September Derby here in the Commonwealth. That horse ran in the alley. Sheba later that year won the Gold Cup. That was run at Saratoga before that won the Suburban in 2021. So he has come back, Max Player has, out of that Withers win and turned into a nice career. Tax was the winner the year before that. So we've seen the Withers, all of that to say. We've seen the Withers turn out some nice horses. Now, Derby winners, no, not really. That's not what that that's not what that race is for. It's not for predicting Derby winners. Now, Uncle Heavy's an interesting one. Pennsylvania bred. Four starts, lifetime, three wins. Two of the mistakes races, a black type wait for it win at Parks, and then he comes back, wins the grade three at Withers. In the Withers, excuse me, at Aqueduct. And it, these are the kinds of horses that are interesting on the Derby Trail because it's it's hard to know who they are and what they're doing. Uh, the part of this story that I love is that the ownership group and Michael Milam has had four starters ever. <laughs> I mean, it's not even close. Uncle Heavy's his best, his best horse. Now he also has Nisi Marie, which is a nice, uh, nice horse. Uh, cross traffic. She's won twice, um, actually four times now. How about that? Won a uh, black type at uh, at Parks. Got that black. Ran in the Mrs. Uh, in the Mrs. Revere. If you're remembering that name uh, of Nisi Marie, that's because she's also a Pennsylvania bred who ran uh, in the Mrs. Revere here at Churchill in November. But that's a small operation to have a horse win the Withers <laughs> in Uncle Heavy. So who knows? I'll be honest. Like, who knows? Who knows if that's a horse that ends up being 
a player, at least on the New York trail, right? If he likes Aqueduct, if he's able to close like that, then why can't he be part of that Wood Memorial thing? Why can't he pick off some checks in New York? Why can't they run him eventually at Saratoga, right? If he already likes it up in New York, keep him up there, run him as much as you can. I don't know. Maybe that's where we end up. And the last prep, of course, over the weekend. And by the way, I want to be clear about Uncle Heavy. I didn't really talk about the race itself. It was incredibly slow. But like I said, that deep track on Long Island, it's it's more interesting actually trying to figure out if horses are going to come out of there well <laughs> rather than trying to determine if they're going to do well going into it. But if Uncle Heavy likes Aqueduct, if he likes you know the depth of the surfaces on Long Island, I got good news. He's going to be in good company until they ship to Saratoga uh, once they get up there. So I think that he's the kind of horse that you have to include in your tickets for a long time. On the New York scene, do I think he's a Kentucky winner, Kentucky Derby winner? I do not. I do not find him to be in that class of horse, uh, even amongst this three-year-old group, with, which, by the way, because the Baffert horses are still excluded from our Kentucky Derby process, this is not, so far, a very clear set of horses of, as far as their quality and who's going to be at the top of the group. Fierceness comes back. <clears throat> And he runs a decent race in the Holy Bowl, but he's no match for he's no match for Hades. We see some horses in the Southwest that we want to get excited about, but I think it's more about the connections than it is about the horses themselves. It's about the trainers. It's about the jocks that are aboard. Maybe it is a Hades and Uncle Heavy, a horse like that that breaks somebody's heart a derby day and and goes on a great run in the in, in the run for the roses. I don't know. Maybe it is. But I'll tell you a horse that would get bet down in a way that I can't even describe at this moment because it's only February 9th is Nysos. And he wins the Robert B. Lewis. And he gets no derby points because he is in the Baffert barn. And it's been a minute, folks, since I've watched a horse stretch out two turns for the first time and do it the way that Nysos did the other day. It's been a minute. It's, it is what you want to see the first time a horse stretches out. Period conversation over. It's as good as I can remember. Runs a huge number. Totally wrapped up at least the last eighth. And still runs that race at a buck 36. Splits in that race 22 and 4, 46 and 3, 111 flat, 123 and 4, 136 for the final time. And this is where you start to see horses that are just better <laughs> in these different places. Now, good for ownership. He gets $120,000 for winning, but he is not eligible for the Kentucky Derby. And the question becomes, is this a Preakness horse? Because it's too late to move now. Is he a Preakness horse? Is he a 10 furlong Belmont horse at Saratoga? And I we'll talk about that more as the weeks go on and the Derby preps get more involved and the points numbers go up. We'll talk uh we'll talk Risen Star next week in New Orleans at the fairgrounds. We'll start getting into those fifty point races, start getting into the more serious preps as far as the Kentucky Derby point system is concerned. But as a fan, just as a guy who enjoys horse racing and someone who goes to the Derby every year, I'm a lucky guy. I get to go every year. And the nice people at Churchill Downs save me the same seat every year. I appreciate it very much, and I mean it. But it breaks my heart a little that a horse like Nysos won't be in the starting game for the Kentucky Derby. 
because that's the kind of horse I want to see. I want to see how he handles 20 horses. I want to see how he handles being under the lights in Louisville on the first Saturday of May. I want to see how he handles the crowd noise. I want to see what that's like for him, what, what he's like in the paddock, that new beautiful paddock. I want to see Nisos under there. And I get it. I understand the arguments on the other side about Bob Baffert. I do. And, and I don't love that he came out after a derby and a disqualification the week after and pointed at my friend Jenny Reese and pretended like he didn't know what was going on. I don't like it. I didn't like it at all. And if he doesn't do those things, he probably has a horse in for Derby 150. But he doesn't. And Nysos is the horse that we're missing out on. I do think something we learned over the weekend about Southern California racing is that that low sal fraturity was not that good. Winsock, uh, he ships to the Southwest, comes up empty, and of course, wind me up and scatify coming out of low sal. Run second and third in that race. By the way, if you're looking for another horse coming out of that Santa Anita, uh, Robert B. Lewis, the grade three last weekend. Scatify is going to be an interesting horse if they can get him to go six and a half, seven furlong, something like that. I don't know if he eventually becomes a turf course, a turf horse, but I don't think two turn dirt races are his long term expertise. I think even if you could get him to Churchill, a course like that with a one mile shoot, maybe an Ellis in the summer, I think he'd be really, really effective and really enjoy that distance, the one turn. I think you could really see that with him. So Scatify for me, obviously, Nysos, the horse to watch. If there's another horse that I'm going to try to keep tabs on, uh, it'll be the Hector Berrios ridden Scatify uh, from that one. Uh, of course, he is trained, um, uh, in this case, by John Sheriffs. Excuse me, John Sadler, what am I saying? So there you go. Uh, did, did I see anybody this last weekend that can win the Kentucky Derby? Yes, his name is Nysos, and he's not going to run it. <laughs> so to answer that question, to get after that point, that's what I would say about that, is... I think we saw a potential Kentucky Derby winner this last weekend. Now, this is we're talking three-year-olds, people. This is the eighth graders of horse racing, right? <laughs> He's in the, the freshman in high school of horse racing. They're not quite to the point where they are physically developed, right? By the time they get to the fall, they're seniors in high school, and then by the time they get to their four-year-old year, they're college basketball players. By the time they're five, they're in the NBA, right? So we're talking about horses very much in the early part of their development. So I'm not holding any of this stuff against them. I'm also not getting overly excited about Nisos. But if he, if he does get better, I, there's a decent chance that, that a very unfortunate thing could happen. And that is he wins the Preakness and the Belmont and never had the opportunity to run in Louisville. That would be too bad. It really would be. It would be too bad. And he's the son of a Kentucky Derby winner in Nyquist, of course, right? Of course. Bernardini mayor. Folding Kentucky, May 8th, right after the Derby in 2021. He's even a young horse. Think about that. I mean, he won't be technically three until after the Derby's run. <laughs> and he looked like that. Uh, he looked like that in the road. Just disappointing for me as a horse racing fan. But I get the arguments. I do. I get it. I really do. I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Joanne McNamara and her, and her passing. And if you don't know who Joanne McNamara is, then you are just like I was a couple of days ago. And then I heard the story and I read about it at KYHBPA.org, KentuckyHBPA.org. And she was the exercise rider to the stars. And she went to work for Wayne Lucas in the late 80s. And it really worked out for her. 
Tell me if you've heard of these horses. <laughs> She's the exercise rider for Thunder Gulch. For Grindstone. For Charismatic. For Tabasco Cat. For Timber Country. Editor's Note. Serena Song. Cat Thief. Cash Run. My goodness. My goodness. And one of the reasons I'm really excited to get going on this project to work on this show is stories like Joanne's. Because if you're into horse racing, you know, and I talk about it this way as much as I possibly can on Rabot and Co. over on 680. That this isn't just a sport. It's an industry. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. And for someone like Joanne, you can imagine how many mornings started with the alarm going off and the first number was three. Because <laughs> there's no showing up late for Wayne Lucas, I imagine. <laughs> And not in a bad way, by the way. I think when you work with someone who respects the game as much as he does, then you respect it as well or you get out of the way. And so I just wanted to say rest in peace to Joanne McNamara because before there were really exercised right as Joanne was it. She really was one of the people that, that invented this, this thing that is exercise right. 67 years old, a short battle with cancer, and, and a reminder... Um. That life is fleeting, and unfortunately, some of the people in our lives go away as well. But she was uh, dubbed as the first, by the turf media, as the first exercise rider to the stars for the long list of champions and world-class racers. She rode in morning training. Uh, she did pass away Sunday in Ocala, Florida, at the age of 67. So rest in peace to her. When we come back, uh, I, you will hear my interview with Dan Issel about his uh, role as a horse owner and how uh, he even came to enjoy the sport of thoroughbred racing. I uh, really enjoyed sitting down with Dan. I recorded that uh, right before this show, actually. And so you'll get that. And then we will talk with Caitlin Free. She's on the simulcast up at Turfway Park, and we will get you ready for the stakes action there uh, tomorrow as well. I'm Louis Rabot. This is the Kentucky Racing Spotlight presented by the Kentucky HBPA here on ESPN 680, 105.7. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, it's time for our second segment here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. Louis Rabot hanging out with you here on ESPN 680, 105.7. We are, of course, presented by the Kentucky HBPA, and I'm really, really pleased to welcome in our first guest on this rendition of the show. His name is Dan Issel. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's only in 13 different Hall of Fame. That's that's an exaggeration. He's actually in 25 different Halls of Fame. Uh, of course, the all-time leading scorer and rebounder in Kentucky basketball history, and now, uh, of course, a horse owner as well. Uh, we'll get into St. Benedict's prep later on. But Dan, good morning. It's been a minute, my friend. 
Yeah, good morning, Louie, and congratulations on your new show, and, and thanks for having me on. It's uh, no problem at all having you on, and thank you very much for the congrats. You know, I, I was going to say, especially, and you understand this as, as as well as anyone, you and I are not from uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, but boy, we sure love it. And uh, the people the people here have really embraced me, my family, uh, etc. And so getting to do this show about a sport that I've really come to love because of my move uh, to Kentucky is just an absolute blessing. And so excited to get this going. And when I heard the words Kentucky and racing, I thought, you know what, I got to talk to Issel. That's just how it goes. I appreciate that. Well, there you go. Well, how did you get into horse racing? You know, I was talking to, uh, to Ben Roberts on Rabowin Co. on Thursday morning, and I said, "Hey, if you had to ask Dan a question on the horse racing side, what would you ask him?" He said, "I actually don't know Dan's genesis story. Uh, you know, his story about how he got into horse racing in the first place. So, uh, if you could tell people about that, I would love to hear it." Yeah, well, uh, back then the uh, University of Kentucky would use uh, the horse farms uh, for part of the recruiting trip. I remember we uh, got, went to uh, Calumet Farm, and I saw the the graveyard of all of the Kentucky Derby winners that Calumet had had. We went to Elmendorf, and having an agricultural background, I grew up on a dairy farm. I, I just fell in love with it immediately, and uh, when I had the wherewithal, uh, much to my uh, wife Sherry's chagrin, uh, when I signed my contract, my first professional contract with the Kentucky Colonels, I didn't buy a car first, I didn't buy a house first, I bought a horse first, and so I was. Uh, I, I became friends with Tom Gentry uh, while I was at the University of Kentucky, and uh, my first uh, purchase was a broodmare with uh, with Tom. Uh, I can still remember, although it was years and years ago, I can still remember the name. Her name was Indian Nurse, and she was in fold of a horse called Grawstark. Wow. All right. It's amazing the memories we have around the sport and Dan Issel with us here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. Those memories, those horses that that get you into the sport or get you interested in it will never go away. My favorite story is uh, we're at the we're at the uh, the Oaks, and it's a sloppy day. It's very, very cold in a in a last place horse rallies to win. And her name was Abel Tasman. And I had, yeah. made, I had made the case to leave her off of all of our Oaks tickets as a group. What a, what, a, what a fantastic decision. And if you think I don't get a text with the words Abel Tasman in it at least a couple times a year, you're crazy. Of course, my friends don't remind me about that one. It is amazing, the horses we remember. All right, so Dan Issel with us here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. I'm Louis Rabot. We're presented by the Kentucky HBPA. And look, that's an organization that, uh, that helps owners, right, of course. And so, uh, you know, we want to talk about your involvement as an owner in the sport. Um, What's more stressful, playing in a big game or watching your horse run, frankly, any race? Uh, yeah, much more the horse running. Uh, because when I played, I thought, Louie, that I, I, I had some control over the outcome, some control. Of it. When, you know, you get to go to the paddock and watch the trainer put the saddle on and, and put the jock up, and and then you say, good luck, have a safe trip, and that, that's about all the influence you have. Well, there you go. Uh, you got one in training right now. Her name is St. Benedict's Prep. Uh, she's a daughter of Flatter uh, in the Ben Colebrook uh, barn. How about that? Uh, talk about Ben. You know, we've got a bunch of guys like Ben on the uh, Kentucky scene sort of, you know, waiting to break out, waiting for that next horse. Uh, tell us about Ben and your experience with him. 
Yeah, well, we uh, we claimed uh, this horse in uh, in October at Keeneland, and uh, my dear friend Wayne Lister, who has uh, Ashview Farm in Versailles, uh, recommended that we uh, that we use Ben. He had had horses with him, and and his sons are, are good friends of, of Ben's. Um, and so it was the first, I mean, when we called him, and when I say we, I'm in partnership with my son, Scott. Yep. Um, that was the first time I'd ever talked to him, but he's uh, he's a really nice young man, and I think he uh, I think he does a good job. And uh, he, as you say, he just needs that break. He's, you know, he, every trainer is like that. I'm, he works awfully hard. He he needs that one big horse so people uh, uh, bigger than us start start giving them horses to train. There you go. Uh, he did train Limousine Liberal a couple years back, if people remember him. Uh, was a grade two winner at Churchill Downs. And so uh, it's not as though he hasn't had the graded stakes luck or, or any of those sorts of things, but he is waiting for that big sort of breakthrough uh, on that. And, and right now, Louis, sorry to interrupt you. I think uh, he has a horse that ran in the Derby last year and uh, won a stake at Keeneland in the fall. Ray's Kane, yep. uh, who uh, is a really nice horse. So maybe that'll uh, help get Ben's name out there. Yeah, no, I think that's right. You get your, your horses in those kinds of races. Uh, people are going to notice, especially on the ownership side uh, as well. Uh, talking about the Kentucky, the, uh, Kentucky circuit itself with the different tracks we have here, you are obviously a Keeneland guy. That is not a, uh, a hidden fact about you. But, uh, you know, compared to other states, there are a lot more stops on the thoroughbred route around the state of Kentucky. Do you like the mix of, say, you know, going to Turfway for the winter, having a Kentucky Downs in the fall, those summer uh, weeks at Ellis Park, and obviously the two bigger meets uh, at both Keeneland and at Churchill Downs? Do you like that kind of uh, that, that that kind of diversity that we have here in Kentucky? I, I love it, and, and I love the fact that now uh, you can stay in Kentucky all year round. And, and run for really nice purses. I mean, I, I understand the weather part of it, Louie. Sure. You know, maybe maybe you don't miss any training days being at, 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 at in South Florida, but I mean, when when why would you run in a maiden race in at Gulfstream when you're going to run into two into mischiefs, two curlins, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, not this time when when you can run at Turfway and and really run for much more money. And so I, I think you'll see trainers. I know some of the trainers that I know, uh, Rusty Arnold, uh, who always went to uh, Gulfstream and still does, and Greg Foley, who goes to the fairgrounds, and even Brad Cox, who winners at the fairgrounds, they all have stables this year in Kentucky, this winter in Kentucky. And I think you're going to see more and more of that because owners are going to say, you know, why should I ship to New Orleans or ship to to Gulfstream uh, when I can stay right here and run for more money? Yeah, you uh, even Dan Issel had old St. Benedict's Prep in an allowance of Turfway on December 20th. It's a new world, Dan. It is. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and you know what, Louie? We're really excited about her because the horse that ran second in that race that beat us by a length of Yeah, icicles. Came back yeah, on the stakes. Came back, came back and won a stake at Turfway. So the horses that she has uh, 
But he, she is, we call her St. Benny, St. Benedict's Prep. Uh, obviously, since we claimed her, we didn't name her. But uh, um, we, we think we're excited about this summer at, uh, at Keeneland and Churchill and, and Ellis uh, for what she might be able to do. So with a horse like that, she's run at Saratoga, she's run at Belmont. Is the plan now to leave her uh, on the Kentucky circuit? Is that something that is just, it's profitable enough, there's enough there, uh, it's easy enough for a guy like Ben Colebrook to just ship within the state? Is that the plan for her? Absolutely. Absolutely. I And um, Tom Drury has uh, her uh, year-older uh, sister, and uh, according to, uh, to, to Thomas, they, their plan is to run her in a, in a stake in stakes this summer on the Kentucky circuit. Her name is Miss, I don't know if it's Miss Reed or Miss Red, but okay. uh, uh, so we're... Uh, we're looking forward to her doing big things, and uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see St. Benedict's Prep uh, uh, leaving the state of Kentucky. I opened the show start uh, talking about uh, the the Derby Trail to this point. Obviously, we've got the Davis on Saturday at Tampa Bay as well, uh, but we had the four preps last week, Dan. Uh, outside of Nisos, who looked like a classic freaking two-turn Baffert, uh, has anyone stood out on the trail this year? Feels a little diluted. Like there's a lot of different options. At this point, and the horses we were most excited about in the fall just haven't translated so far this spring. No, you're exactly right, and I, you know, it's too early to throw fierceness out oh, because you know he broke his maiden spectacularly and then ran awful and came back and won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So I don't know, maybe he's just a hit or miss horse. So I, I even though he ran third uh, last week, I'm I'm not ready to throw him out. But I think you're right, Lou. I think there's there's questions about. I mean, you know, what what do you do with Mystic Dan? Mm. I mean, he 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 looked like Man of War coming down the <laughs> at, at Oak Lawn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the Baffert horses out. Um, I think this thing is wide, wide open. You know, and and we talk a lot on the Derby Trail. At least I do. We do on the on the Happy Hour just about the general direction from which successful horses come and you mentioned say benny running up at turfway i mean i think in 2010 if you had grabbed someone by the shoulders and said look in the next 15 years two derby winners and a second place horse are going to come off of this track (laughs) out of the jeff ruby stakes i think people would have given you a little bit of a look but here we are animal kingdom obviously rich strike and then two fills uh uh, last year is there a chance dan that this is just because there are so many different routes to the derby we're just seeing these horses more spread out whether it be on Long Island, or if it's at Turfway Park, Santa Anita, obviously the Louisiana, Arkansas, Florida routes as well. Are we just seeing more of that as the Derby, you know, point system kind of pushed us in that direction? Yeah, I, I, I think so, Louie. And, and, you know, to win the Derby, uh, you've got to be the best horse and, and, and not only the best horse, but the luckiest horse in a 20 horse field on the first Saturday in May. And, you know, there, there might be some three-year-olds that are great on the first Saturday in April or on the first Saturday in, in June that just aren't up to that mile and a quarter. So, uh, it, uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see anybody dominating any trainer, any jockey, uh, dominating the, the Kentucky Derby, like, like we've seen some of the trainers in the past. 
Uh, Dan Issel's with us. Uh, needs no introduction here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. Appreciate him uh, making us part of his Friday. Uh, I'll let you get out of here on this. Uh, you are you are in the Philly and Mayor side of ownership. Uh, do you think you'll be sticking to that side? And can you kind of tell our audience why it is that you you tend to stick to Phillies and Mares? Yeah, I, I, in fact, I was talking with my son uh, this morning. We bought a horse out of the Lufenbach uh, dispersal earlier this week, uh, and uh, a maiden mare that uh, is by Empire Maker. She's unraced. When you buy a, 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 a future broodmare like we're trying to do, uh, and, and you play at our level, uh, which is in the fifty to hundred thousand dollar range. Uh, you can't have a great race record, uh, a great pedigree, and great confirmation because right. those horses cost way more than hundred thousand dollars. Right. And so our philosophy has always been: you've got to give up on one, and maybe sometimes two. And so the racing part of it is the part that we give up on and and so we confirmation what the looks like is always number one and number two is there's got to be a decent uh, decent catalog page but we're what we're trying to do and we're doing it with saint benny and and with the the mayor that uh, we bought earlier this week and with um, um, a mayor we have, we've got a really nice mayor in fold of violence uh, should have her full around uh, uh, the first of April, okay. um, and so that's you know that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for uh, for horses that we can make broodmares and uh, and then have the factory and and sell yearlings and foals out of out of those mares. So that's why we stick to the the female side of it. Well, there you go. Are you uh, planning any uh, trips to Keeneland this spring? Uh, you know what? I just got my uh, in my email from the Cleveland Club uh, this morning, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 sure for a number of reasons. Number one is to see you, Louie. Obviously, but for a number yeah. of reasons, we'll be in Kentucky in April. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, no, uh, no high school graduations this year. It's good to hear. So there you go. All right. Well, he is Dan Issel. Uh, I'm sure we will hear his voice again at some point on the show. But Dan, thank you so much for being my first guest on this show, and thanks for. Uh, thanks for being part of the scene of uh, Kentucky Racing. Well, thanks for asking. Thanks for asking me, and I uh, I, re- I wish you much luck. Whether well, the industry needs needs more uh, more exposure like this, thanks, Louie. All right, Dan, I appreciate you very much, Dan Issel, everybody. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store.
Welcome back to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome in. Final segment here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. Of course, I'm Louis Rabot. We're presented by the Kentucky HBPA today. I want to thank them, kyhbpa.org. Uh, if you were uh, interested in the story I told earlier about Joanne McNamara, they've got a great story up at their homepage. Really excited to welcome in Caitlin Free, at Caitlin E. Free on Twitter from up there uh, in old Florence, y'all. Uh, she'll be on the uh, the track feed tomorrow, and as she is uh, most days when Turfway is running. Caitlin, welcome back in uh, to ESPN Louisville, at least. Of course, your first time on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. Great to have you. Yes, great to have you. Good to be chatting again, and it feels like it's been a little while. You are not wrong. Uh, I was actually thinking about that. I think the last time we spoke was the September meet at Churchill Downs, and that's my fault for being a bad host. I'll, I'll tell you that. Right now. It's my job. <laughs> no problem at all. I mean, there's been happenings between there, but I mean, uh, between between Turfway and Churchill, uh, it's always good stuff going on. There you go. Plenty of action around the state, of course. We turn our eyes to Florence. I'll be up there tomorrow. I'm not as cute as Scott Shapiro, but is there a chance at a little simulcast for me? Well, we actually simulcast at Churchill Downs a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. in our studio there. Yep. So we won't actually be on site for Turfway. Oh! We'll be at Churchill, yes. Right. Uh, but there are about four or five more times that I will be on location oh, there. Oh, fantastic. So. There you go. Good. <laughs> well, there you go. A little, little inside radio for uh, for the folks out there with Caitlin Free. Uh, Caitlin E. Free on Twitter. She'll be up there at Turfway Park tomorrow. Obviously, the Valdale going on. I love the new tradition of a stakes every Saturday uh, at Turfway Park as part of the features on the card. You know, sort of just a general question about Turfway, Caitlin. I know you um, are on the younger side of things in horse racing. That means you're uh, under the age of 80. Um, but, you know, you're on the younger side of things in horse racing. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, watching the transformation of Turfway Park, you know, even in the last, let's say, five, six years, just the, you know, the increase in purses, the number of horses in the fields, et cetera, just the betting product, you know, I think there was, you know, some wonder of what Churchill Downs was going to do with the property when they took it over. But everything to my you know, in my estimation that they've done up there has been has turned to gold. Do I wish there were like a grandstand I could sit at outside and watch races? Sure, but otherwise, product is great. The betting options are fantastic. The takeout rates are very manageable. Um, what have you noticed, especially in the racing the last couple of years at Turfway? Maybe that's different or that has become normal for you? I would say something that has become the norm outside of what I was really used to, you know, with the traditional Turfway that I grew up with is, big barns targeting this meat again. Um, it's not uncommon to see several Brad Coxes um, on the cards, Steve Asmus, and we have a few Pletchers that ship in. We have a couple of Linda Rice horses tonight. Um, so just some of the biggest barns being here and people really putting some of their best strings. We have horses that are nominated for the Triple Crown that are racing almost every day in these main special weight races. So just really good horses coming out of the woodwork on our properties. Of course, we had several Breeders' Cup winners come from Churchill or uh, Turfway within the past couple of years. We had a Derby winner. We had a Derby second place horse from last year. So just better horses being on the property. Obviously, the purses going up uh, is great too, but just something that is consistently a good betting product. The surface is reliable. Sometimes, you know, the rail is a little bit different or it speeds up or it slows down, but you always kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, it's fantastic. And frankly, even a horse like Idiomatic, who ran a lot at Turfway last year, wins an Eclipse Award in her category, right? So we're seeing 
even on the national stage, I think, Caitlin, a lot more respect for the racing that happens at Turfway Park. It's a little hard to look away. I made this joke with Dan earlier in the show. I'm not sure that in 2010, if I had grabbed someone and put my arm around them and said, you know what I think is going to happen at Turfway the next 15 years? We're going to have two derby winners and a second place finisher come out of here. <laughs> Just not a thing I think we were thinking about in 2010. But here we are, Rich Strike, Animal Kingdom, and of course, two fills last year. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it really is. And I think for so long, there was kind of a little bit of a stigma around the synthetic, um, saying horses can't run on it and then transfer over to the dirt. And something that it doesn't surprise me as much, getting horses running well at Churchill, is the, the dirt at Churchill is actually really friendly to all-weather horses, and it's friendly to turf horses. So I, I just think it kind of makes sense to – maybe use it as an option to bring horses along to the Derby, horses along to the Oaks, things like that. Because, you know, not only did we have the uh, two Kentucky Derby winners plus two fills, uh, wet paint, botanical have came out of the races within the past year, idiomatic that you mentioned, no balls, caravel. So, I mean, there, there are good horses that consistently run here and can translate that form on other surfaces. I'd be uh, not a good friend if I didn't mention nobody listens last year, unfortunately passed away, but left Turfway and then won the Turf Monster at Parks, right? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, another horse uh, even very recently that was able to uh, translate into some sex, uh, success. Hey, let's give some people some stuff to bet on here. Uh, look, and speaking of turf, uh, excuse me, purse increases, uh, race five tomorrow, 78K, 74K in race six, and of course, $125,000 stakes in race seven. Let's talk about those three races, maybe even get a little pick three together uh, for folks here. I think some horses that people will know in this optional claimer in race five, like I said, $78,000 purse, 40K if you want to put your horse in uh, for the tag here. Ola Thobbles in this race, for example, we've seen him in a lot of high-level spots, including the Ellis Park Derby last year. Shefflin's in this race, will be the favorite almost certainly at uh, post time for Billy uh, for the Maury Barn with, of course, uh, Flor- uh, he wasn't born in Florence, but he may as well have been in Gerardo Corrales, of course. And then uh, some other horses in here that people may uh, remember from uh, other races, of course. Page one under Luan Machado, who has rediscovered his form at Turfway this year. Where did you land in race five tomorrow? Oh, my goodness. This is a really, really good race. Um, there's been some very talented horses come through here that are in this race that are coming in off of last out wins. Alizabal, um, of course, is going to be running his second start of the form cycle. He's a horse that kind of needs the lead. And there's several other horses like that uh, in this race for him. And Toledo is kind of like that. Diamond City is going to be forwardly placed. Um, so I think this really sets up for a horse uh, like Shefflin. And I know not popular. They're at the 2-1 to one, uh, price. But he's a horse that likes to have a little bit of a target to run at. He was so impressive last time out. And he just missed uh, two starts back behind graphic detail. So I think he's a horse that maybe as the distances get longer could get a little bit better. But he's still going these six furlongs here. And another horse that I think has a chance to want, run a big race at a decent price is Nifty. Uh, he ran well two starts back at this distance uh, with an honest pace. Uh, Anatares was, of course, uh, disqualified in that race. And he's ran into Anatares twice in both the races he's ran here. So that horse is not in here today. He's going to get an honest pace. So I think under Gabe Sias for the Juan Canobar, Nifty can run really well. So those are two that I was particularly interested in this race. Um, Counter-Strike for me is just a little bit too tough to trust. He should have almost won both the races that he's been in. Those were against the Atari's as well, but um, he had perfect trips and just kind of didn't seal the deal. So I would say Nifty and Shefflin uh, look the two best to me on paper here. Counter-Strike may be worth using in your uh, your exotics, maybe in an exacto or trifecta. Oh, 19 yeah, lifetime runs. Way. That's right, 19 lifetime runs, 
uh, 13 times hitting the board, including seven uh, third-place finishes. Unfortunately for the ownership there, he may have figured out uh, he gets to eat no matter where he finishes in the race. So there you go. Uh, race six is another optional claimer, but we're going a mile here, the classic uh, distance. When I think of synthetic races, I think of mile races. 74K in the purse here. Uh, 50K is the optional claimer price. Uh, this is a race uh, essentially for non-two-lifers. And um, look, there's going to be a couple of horses in here that are going to catch serious money, but Luan Machado is aboard Tennessee who won last out in a maiden special over this course going this distance. Uh, moves from an inside post to an outside post. Is seven a prohibitive spot at the mile course at Turfway, or is that an okay spot to start? Yeah, I think that's definitely an okay spot to start. Um, there's not really, I would say going the mile, there's not really any types of, you know, positions that are going to spell danger. Um, definitely if you have a one-turn race, six, six and a half for long, the way outside, especially with a younger horse, definitely a first-time starter is kind of not ideal. But I think he would be fine uh, in a post like this. He's against a much smaller field. So I don't think it's... That big of a deal for Tennessee. He's a very, very talented horse by the looks of it. Um, didn't get out by much, um, but he was, you know, kind of wide throughout that race and really uh, did improve off of the debut race. He didn't handle the flop, but he comes in out of, you know, a good race where he ran on dirt, real man violin, of course, track phantom, both of those going to the risen star uh, next weekend at fairgrounds. Um, there's just some really interesting horses here in this race. Uh, Evening News was an impressive winner in his last out race. And, of course, uh, was claimed is going to be the first start for the James Noble Barn. Got a similar number, um, actually, to Tennessee. So it's not cut and dry in this race for Tennessee. But, I mean, there's a decent amount of pace. He's going to get some pace to run out in here. I'd say the other horse, aside from him, that's pretty interesting is the uh, 5 Mugatu. He actually came out of a stakes race um, in favor of this race here. He broke his main at Gulfstream on the all-weather and then ran a nice third behind Mission Ready and Great Richie M a couple of weeks back. Um, and then ended up not going into the stakes race two weeks ago, which was the Leonidas opts for this place instead. So this could probably be a prep for him for the Bataglia to go on to the Jeff Ruby. Same for Tennessee. So those two should appreciate a hot pace in here. Well, you answered my question I was about to ask. Is there any chance that, that Brad Cox thinks that Tennessee might actually be on the Derby Trail here and is using these races? Uh, you answered my question, and obviously you think that uh, there's a decent chance. Uh, he does set up very well, I think, to run in the Bataglia if he's ready, and then, of course, uh, in the Ruby at the end of May, or excuse me, the end of March uh, as well. Uh, Caitlin Free with us, Caitlin E. Free on Twitter. Now the uh, stakes race tomorrow is uh, the Valdale. It is a, uh, a six-and-a-half furlong race there. Uh, for three-year-old fillies, um, do you consider this to be sort of an opportunity ahead of the Cincinnati Trophy to get a horse on that Oaks Trail, or are we just sprinting here? Um, I think it's kind of both. It depends on what type of horse comes out of here. I mean, there's a couple of horses in here that have already uh, gone the two-turn distances and are cutting back. Cozy Rags is cutting back. Uh, Pippet has gone a longer distance before Marais' girl broke her maiden at the mile last time out. And there's some others that look like they could stretch out here. Uh, we've seen some good horses come out of here before. Not as many go on to the Kentucky Oaks. But this is a really, really good field. So to see a Philly potentially head toward, you know, the Cincinnati Trophy or the Oaks, the major Oaks prep here, which uh, the name is slipping my mind at the moment, um, 
wouldn't surprise me at all to see a couple come out of there and go on. And, of course, somebody in here is going to want to step up to the two turns, whether they've been that distance already or not. Uh, but the two that are the uh, favorites in this race and a couple others that have a shot, I don't know how well they're going to step up to the two-turn distance and if they do. Um, but Scott Shapiro and I were talking about this yesterday this is a very good field and the stakes racing uh turfway keeps producing big fields good betting races and talented horses who, who is your winner and who do you think is the most likely oak starter if there is one in this field nice as pie is really really talented and i hate to be chalky here i remember no, when okay. she debuted at colonial and there was some buzz around her. She took some money, but I don't think she was quite ready, and I don't think um, dirt was really her forte. So Kelsey Danner gave her a little bit of time, uh, unveiled her in January at the beginning of the year. Really, really nice winner uh, at a little bit of a price, and a lot of horses have come out of that race to do really well since poolside was slim. Was impressive down at Gulfstream. Fantastic. He won here this week. Those were the top three finishers. And then a couple other horses have finished some seconds and thirds that were a little bit back farther in that field. And then she came back again and just poured it on a barre for Wesley Ward is a nice, talented little filly. And, I mean, she demolished that field. She circled the field, went on and won by almost eight lengths. And I don't know if she's coming back a little bit fast here in this race, but if she's the type of horse I think she is, she probably won't have a problem with this field. And she just looks to be the fastest one on paper. Indian Inc. has been impressive, but I think there's going to be a little bit of further speed that goes with her here in this race. So I do expect a uh, nicest pie to get that type of a pressing trip here in this race, the way she's had before. She's shown she can come from way off the pace that she needs to. There's just a lot of speed in this race, which, you know, isn't surprising. Obviously with it being um, a sprint and some really young horses. Now, as far as other horses are going to maybe step up and want to go the longer distance of Vicountess, has been another impressive one here. She's the second in a win here um, in Florence. But, I mean, she's continued to really get better with the distance. Um, she's got a little bit more of a sprinty pedigree, but she's a horse that kind of looks like she could be a type of a two-turn horse. She's the three-horse with Gerardo Corrales for the Tim Girton barn, and this is a barn that historically can stretch out well. Pippet is another one that's tried to stretch out before she ran seventh and kind of got out of the gate slow. But really her only try around two turns was against Colts. And it was in the grade three gray stakes at uh, Woodbine, which is always a really highly regarded race there for uh, the Canadian bred two-year-old. So she could be one that definitely could stretch out and she has the class on her side. Yeah, I'm fascinated by Summer in Tahoe, for example, on the outside, mm-hmm. uh, daughter of Tappet. And, you know, in that in the Ewing barn, uh, not a massive operation, obviously, on his end, but Decky Cannon fully capable of riding very well at Turfway Park, might be the kind of horse uh, that gets a good trip outside, is able to sit just off of it, and ends up running away with it. Did break her maiden last time. Up there at Turfway Park, you can find her on uh, on Twitter, at Caitlin E. Free. She'll be on the uh, the track uh, feed uh, today and tomorrow there at Turfway Park. Caitlin, good luck with everything, and I'm sure we'll talk real soon. Good luck. Thank you. All right, that's Caitlin Free. Here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight, uh, really glad uh, to have her in as well. We'll wrap up the show uh, with that. And so uh, hopefully good luck uh, with all your uh, wagers tomorrow at Turfway Park and with all of the great racing happening here in the Commonwealth. The Sam F. Davis does happen tomorrow at Tampa Bay. That is the Derby prep for the weekend. And, of course, the Las Virginis out in California as an Oaks prep as well. 5.30 Eastern time for that race, uh, the Las Virginis out west. 5.15 for the Sam F. Davis, so they will be back-to-back 
on your viewing times tomorrow on Saturday uh, ahead of the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. I'm Louis Rabot. This has been the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. We are presented by the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.org. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck this weekend.